Listen, this story is absolutely appalling, and it is uh, not something we haven't heard before. And that makes it even more heartbreaking because, you know, the story out of London uh, from 2018 at the World Junior Hockey uh, Tournament, uh, it was extremely disturbing and heartbreaking. But, you you know, some people could say, well, that was a one off. That was an awful thing that occurred. That was a crime. But when you hear that, there is another story that is incredibly similar to that. And in fact, that there's video to go along with it that happened in 2003 at the World Junior Hockey lineup, uh, it's it's really concerning. I mean, you think to yourself, what is happening? And this this can't just be a situation where we're talking about a couple of bad apples. There's pattern here. And this is a criminal situation. It's an alleg... Of course, nothing's been proven in court. But this, if this is proven to be something that actually cur- occurred, that's a crime. Four retired NHL players who were part of Canada's 2003 World Junior lineup say that they were unaware of an alleged group sex assault involving members of that team in Halifax that year. But do we really expect players to come forward now and say, oh, yeah, I knew about it? Because we're talking about a crime, not just bad behavior. If you're aware of a crime, isn't it your duty to report it? And if you don't, I think that says a lot about who you are as a person. And it's possible that they didn't know. It is possible. So if we take their word for it that they didn't know, imagine how messed up those relationships are now. Because that was your team. Those were people that you trusted. I'd like to welcome onto the show Christy Alain. She is a researcher who's studied men's hockey for years, an associate professor of sociology at St. Thomas University in Fredericton. And I think a great guest to have to talk about this. Christy, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. You have been calling for, uh, you know, a, the culture around hockey to change for years. And you say that instances of sexual abuse in sport go back decades. Was there an incident or an event that made you take up the charge? Yeah, there's been a couple of things. I mean, I grew up at the time that Laura Robinson was writing her book and and uncovering um, her book, Crossing the Line, in the mid-90s, starting to uncover a a really deeply problematic culture in men's elite-level hockey in Canada, uh, documenting the ways, the complex ways these things are kind of interconnected from hazing, uh, you know, player-on-player sexual violence, to sexual violence, the players... um, players completing acts of sexual violence against women and and others. And I think, you know, at that time, there was there was a small public outcry. CBC did a documentary on it. Laura Robinson published her book. And hockey responded, not in an open and transparent way, but what it did was it shut, it shut Laura Robinson out. You know, it revoked her press pass. It refused to speak to her. And it became even more uh, quiet, more secretive, more closed off. From, from prying eyes, from the press, from people who might ask critical and important questions about hockey. So this has been going on for a long time. I suspect, you know, Laura Robinson's text documents back uh, a, a couple of decades. And, and if we look at some of the allegations of sexual abuse in, in the Canadian Hockey League and in other elite-level men's hockey leagues, we can see this going back, you know, to at least the 70s. And I, I would have to think even before that. So we have to ask, you know, what's going on? why we've reached the moment now where we can ask these kinds of questions and, and, and start to throw some light on what's going on. You know, I think culturally we've reached a moment where we've, 
where we're now saying enough is enough. We, we, um, we don't like this. We can't stand for this. There's a, there's a problem with the culture of hockey. It's not just with hockey candidates, men's elite level hockey throughout the country, starting from, from the youngest players up to the, to the, uh, the most famous players. And we have to do something about it. We're at a really important cultural moment now where I think that we can, we can start to ask these hard questions and demand uh, mm. a better hockey system. Well, what, what I find incredibly disturbing is what we're talking about, you know, uh, is uh, the possibility of, and, you know, when you look at Bill Cosby, it's a very similar thing. And Bill Cosby has been proven to be a rapist. Uh, he just was let out on a technicality. So we're talking about rape here. I mean, that's a crime. It's it's mm-hmm. absolutely appalling. So if this, you know, how does hockey how do how do hockey and rape go hand in hand? What is going on? What is going on? Well, I mean, these are cultures of violence. These players come into the league through a process of violence. They're often hazed. They're you know we we can think about the class action lawsuit um, that's being launched against the Canadian the Ontario Hockey League today around these hazing rituals. This creates a culture of secrecy. You know, these players mm. have experienced sexual violence themselves against themselves, it bonds them into a culture of secrecy. The people who run the league have come through these systems themselves. It becomes quite normalized. And it, it, you know, it makes ripe the possibilities of these kinds of things. And on top of that, I mean, uh, men's elite level hockey culture is deeply misogynistic. We can think about the language mm-hmm. we use to, to disparage other players. They're often tied to, you know, call, uh, calling people out for their sexuality, for their uh, their gender identity. These are insults instead of, you know, just comments about who people are. This, All of these things make this possible. But I, the fact that these things happen, I mean, we live in a culture where sexual violence happens. We live in a culture that is misogynistic. The fact that people would keep this a secret, you know, from 2003 or 2018 coming forward, I mean, really speaks to how closed hockey culture is to to the rest of the world, how, how you know, we don't get to see what's going on there. There's a, a deep culture of conformity, of privacy, of secrecy, and these are mm-hmm. the things that really need to change. Do you think that the the I mean, there are a couple of hockey players that are saying now, uh, and they said it over the weekend that they had no idea um, what was going on during uh, that that uh, 2003 World uh, Junior Hockey uh, Tournament that happened in Halifax. Um, is it possible that that things can be kept secret within a team like that, or is it? Uh, a, a situation where people uh, have something that is shameful done to them that they'd like to keep secret. So that uh, breeds more secrecy. And um, we've got people trapped in a loop here. I think we have people trapped in a loop. We can't know what other teammates knew or possibly knew. I, I think, you know, judging by some of the comments that have been made publicly, you know, one of the players has written a book. We knew that there were, there was a lot of sex happening and that players were aware of this. Did we? Did the players know what actually happened? It's really hard to say. But the culture of hockey allows these kinds of things to happen, and it allows them to be kept secret for long, long periods of time. I mean, it's amazing that even if we take at face value the fact that six players knew what was going on, that this has been able to be kept a secret, not just six players, but the person who owned the video camera mm-hmm. and others who had seen this video – 
all of these people protected the culture of hockey, protected these players, and continue to protect them, have protected them, you know, now for for decades. Almost. Where do we start to change then? How do we start to change? Do people have to go to jail? Uh, I'm not sure. I mean, I think focusing on the individual might be the wrong place, right? I mean, we can send these players to jail, but it won't change the culture of hockey. It'll punish perpetrators of crime. And I'm not saying we shouldn't punish perpetrators of crime. We absolutely should. But that's the problem is with the culture of hockey. So we have to think about how do we make a wholesale change in these leagues from the littlest players to, to you know, the most famous players. And that happens by opening things up, by insisting on real transparency, by cleaning house. You know, people who have come through this system, who have been victimized, are victims of abuse, who perpetrate abuse, cannot be the people and who are committed to maintaining the culture of hockey like Hockey Canada by, you know, buying the silence of, of, of people who've been victimized by this culture cannot be the people in charge of making change, right? People who are committed to keeping these things private, to having people sign non-disclosure agreements, to mm. not disclosing how these funds were used to buy the silence of potentially other other people who'd been victims of abuse, these can't be the people in charge of leading the way. I think at this point, what we, what we need to demand is that not just Hockey Canada, but throughout hockey, that we have more voices, diverse voices, people who have different experiences, not just hockey-playing men who'd been through this system themselves. These people have proven time and time again that they're not capable of making the changes that we need to, to see hockey be better right, to make a better hockey culture. So the, we need to demand that people outside of hockey have more say, more voice, mm-hmm. and that there's transparency throughout all leagues. Cultures of silence cannot, cannot continue to exist. This should not be allowed. What do you say to people that say, well, this is just, a, you know, this is a few bad apples. These are extreme but isolated events. Uh, you've studied men's hockey for years. Yeah, it's not. I mean, the the fact is, is it's not. We only hear the fact that we only hear about this, you know, at certain intervals speaks more to the to, you know, where these hockey players stand in the Canadian imagination. They are well protected. Mm. There's lots of pressure on people who bring forward claims of abuse, even within the leagues themselves, players who bring forward claims that they themselves have been abused. We can think about you know, the incident in Windsor with Akeem Alou and Steve Downey going back a ways, you know, that was a hazing incident that turned violent. Instead of, you know, Steve Downey being run out of the league, the following year he was put on the World Junior team by Hockey Canada. We, you know, these, these problems are going to persist until we have real change. Christy, thanks so much for joining us. I really appreciate it. It's a difficult topic to to talk about, but we have to talk about it because there won't be any change if we just brush it under the rug. Exactly. Have a great day. Christy Allen is a researcher who studied men's hockey for years, associate professor of sociology at St. Thomas University in Fredericton.